It is the Between You and I podcast, and this is episode 26. I'm going to say it like that every time. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You got to emphasize it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well, today we finally get to do our part two with my friend Nils Bernstein because Last time, the first time we had him on, we talked a lot about Seattle and the music scene because Nils and I um, are really interconnected through my time in music and and he grew up in Seattle. And when we got done with the first one, he was like, wait, we didn't even get to talk about all the philosophical things that we wanted to. So we have finally done the part two and we run the gamut. Don't you think, Ryan, on this one? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we we covered all sorts of topics. (laughs) We had to pull ourselves out of the dark here somewhere, Anna, <laughs> because we were really going down a topic that was like, whoa, did we, we didn't realize we were going to go so dark. I mean, yeah. um, but there's dark and laughter and joy and enjoyment. So um, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nils Bernstein. And if you like, subscribe. If you like what you're listening to, please pass the word. Um, you can hear us on iTunes, Spotify, and all the things. And we also have a website um, that is www.betweenpodcast.com. Um, and we just hope you enjoy it. Thanks. everybody it's friday and this is the between you and i podcast this is episode 26 frankly we already thought the podcast started and you're getting this (laughs) intro now (laughs) and we are doing part two with my friend nils bernstein super psyched because this part two first part one we went and talked about music everything right because there's so much history um with the both of us and then we were like hey man we didn't even get to talk about all the philosophical no. stuff. <laughs> and so we're like, we got to part two this thing. So we only made it up to, you know, 95 or something. We got it. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure we'll touch on something musical. But yeah, for those listening, I'm sorry, but we want to have deep conversations. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> well, I mean, last time. I touched base with you. You had really pointed out that you had listened to the podcast with Deja, I think. Mm-hmm. And you were like. And that's what struck you. You were like, holy hell, that conversation. Like, I want to have that conversation. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, any day, all day. Um, what like what out of that conversation struck you for you the most, I guess, topic wise or um, it was funny. I mean, part of it was just it was nice to have both your voices in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Like, I can, you know, like, kind of like hanging out with both of you, but. I just, I feel like you both were kind of zeroing in on all this insight that you don't, you kind of like, sometimes people you've known a long time, you, you fall back into these inside jokes and these back and forth and you don't really bring up heavier topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting to have you guys kind of, you know, probing into your experiences in music, which is mostly what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And um just because it's like I lived those moments with both of you, so I don't talk about it because right. why would we talk about it? Because we experienced it. Mm-hmm. But when you look back on it and talk about it and you see all the uh, all the perspective you have on it now, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, well, some of it, I think, for her and I, or I guess I can just speak for myself, too, was um, there were all the things that just 
personally happened to me, right? Like everybody in the end has something to sort out or whatever that nobody saw, right? Mm-hmm. That I certainly didn't talk about. And so what's nice now is like, oh my God, I get to talk about it. But I always feel like when I was in Hammerbox, um, not not so much goodness at that point, but it, everything was so new to me. And frankly, mm-hmm. prior to being in a band, like I was a pretty introverted person. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone else was the star of the room, but me, I swear to God. Yeah. And so that's who started being in bands. And that really didn't leave. I mean, for some reason, getting on stage, they're another person on the inside, apparently. Um, but the other introverted person was still around. And, and right. I feel like that part of me had some coping and enduring that went on. Right. Because things were going fast, too. So it was yeah. just and it, it was a certain kind of scene as well. And in the moment, you don't really talk about, it, especially when you're younger and you're yeah. when you're going through things like fear and anxiety, you don't talk about it because that'll exacerbate right, the fear. Right. And anxiety. right. It's not a thing that you generally talk about when you're younger. So it's interesting for me to hear now about kind of struggles during what was an exciting, happy time, you know, mm-hmm. for somebody, you know, kind of looking from the outside, but to be able to talk about these kind of, uh, you know, times of anxiety or loneliness or whatever yeah, from a perspective of having survived it. And you can yeah. look back kind of with a, you can talk about it really openly because you've grown from it and you experienced yeah. it, survived it. Well, and I don't think all of us were in our twenties. I don't think I would reach out because none of my friends were equipped either. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah. God bless everybody. But I mean, it wasn't like any of us knew we were just, that's the twenties, right? You're just yeah. banging around like, ah, you know, doing what you're, and it is really fun. Like those are amazing times uh, there. There's plenty of times I look back and go, Oh, that was some, I like that. I like that era. That was amazing. Yeah. Cause there were so many things that made it great, especially Seattle in that time. Yeah. Um, cool apartments, great friends. It was small yeah. enough where you literally just villaged around, you know, like I'm going yeah. over here to your house, Nils, and then I'm walking down literally pine, you know, like yeah. uh, to downtown to the warehouse I live in, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and, and being in bands during that time, I think that a lot of that was exciting. I think the things that kind of came out for me later, one, one of the general things I figured out was I didn't really know it until later. Like, you know, there's sort of that midlife point where you actually stop. Things have over, you know, 15 years have now truly piled up. And there's this natural moment where you go, oh, God, um, I don't feel so good or whatever. (laughs) So you got to kind of look back and go, well, what happened here? Like, because you really. After 15 years of not feeling so great, it's like, hmm. (laughs) It does catch up. It certainly does. Well, it looks like I have an opportunity to think about it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I, one of the things like a really internal thing was I go, oh, I did a lot more enduring than I thought. Yeah. Um, And I wouldn't have thought about it because I was doing something, but I was also, it was happening fast Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the maturity to necessarily have some sort of strong stance in order to make a decision, whatever. So you're really just quickly enduring a lot of things, some of which were, you know, maybe hurtful or scary or depressing, but you don't know to stop and go, huh? I mean, you feel it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're reactive and then, I don't know, and then something else is happening. But if you do that, that happens 
you know, over years. And then you end up in some place going, wow, why do I feel kind of worn out and depressed? You have to kind of look back and go, huh, like we haven't really, I, I would, I have said like, I didn't really stop during, I think all of Hammerbox and into goodness, even to the end of goodness, I didn't really stop and go, Hey, care, how you doing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you, and in a lot of ways. So you didn't, you're not really given the chance to do that. You know, touring is, Really exciting and great for a lot of people, I'm sure. I, I, <laughs> I'm I, sure. I would go like with a band for three days and be like, oh my God, this is so weird. And then go home. Mm. But, uh, but you know, talk about endurance. That's what touring is. And you don't really have the option to not tour. And so you're, you know, it's like so much of what you're doing, it's not like, gosh, I should have looked back, checked in with myself and, and called it, you know, shut it down for a moment. You don't really have that option, you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. your job. It's your social life. It's your you have a million people that are reliant on you. And um, so it's not really a it's not, I think, a, a, a fault when people don't do that. You just don't really mm -hmm. have the opportunity to take uh, to what's the word yeah. take, uh, measure of what's right happening. Well, and you don't I mean, you don't know anything yet. So you're kind of doing all the learning, you know, at that time and that doesn't mean you necessarily quickly lead to like a decision, right? Like, Oh, this, no, that, yeah. you know, like, you don't, you, you sometimes, I always think like, I need to be hit on the head like five times right. before I'm like, you know what? I don't really like that so much. <laughs> well, also, you know, people, I think they, they, well, obviously they do this, you know, they add to it. They're like, okay, checking in. I feel weird. This isn't quite working. I'm not, you know, so I'm going to add some alcohol or I'm going to quit. Oh, alcohol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start taking some medication. I'm going to, uh, do a lot of cardio. I'm going to take up running. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, you know, you kind of develop these kind of survival mechanisms or these these things that instead of kind of dealing with the source yeah. thing, mm -hmm. you find all these ways to manage it. Yes. Even if they're healthy, the exercise or stopping drinking or something, they're still like band-aids in a way. You're not looking at the bigger picture. Well, and didn't you think a lot of you would rationalize a lot of things uh, like that yeah. something was somehow okay. Yeah. Like it would be a full on rationale about why it would be okay. And one, sometimes because you didn't want it to end, you weren't loving it, but you don't want it to end, especially music yeah. or mm -hmm. getting somewhere in music, you mm -hmm. might endure and rationalize because, Oh God, what does it mean? If you don't, that you're yeah. going to stop. Yeah, like what's it's an alternative just to like walk away. That's a, yeah. Which yes. <laughs> like, well, yeah. In the moment, it doesn't feel like an option. Right. And that's yeah. the thing, I mean, with, with so many things, like I still see, you know, friends that are in their 50s now, and they're talking about, well, you know, I can't uh, move into a smaller house, or I can't leave my spouse, or I can't, well, it's like, oh, you can do anything, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, yes. you have to, in a way, as you get older, those changes become more urgent, not less urgent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's that plays into a lot of things I talk about when I do coaching. I, we sort of look at like, what are the stories that you're living by? Yeah. You know, the whole I can't. And I'm like, is that true? Like, why is that true? I mean, it's really Byron Katie. If you've ever read Byron Katie stuff, I know she, the, the name, but you know, the name. Well, she does this um, program called The Work, mm -hmm. and it's like four steps. And she basically takes a person's statement or story and walks them through four steps. And, you know, the person will say, like, my husband's being totally disrespectful because he never does the dishes. And her first question is, is that true? Mm -hmm. And then 
then they'll be like, well, yeah, because he never does the dishes. And she's, and then she'll say, well, do you know for sure that that's true? Like, do we know, like, and then it's at some point she basically has you flip, flip it around. And she says, who would you be without that thought? Wow. And it, that's where you just either get really peeved. Like, it's really hard work. It's like, God damn it. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's it's really good because that's, you know, it's kind of what we are, these series of things that we tell ourselves yes. about our identity or what we need or what makes us happy. And and they're yeah. not necessarily true. They're just beliefs and they're and they're comfortable. Yeah. And, but you know, we can we can be wrong about ourselves. We're right. wrong about ourselves right. all the time. Well, and big decisions are hard and painful, yeah. more painful. I think people are more afraid of pain, pain yeah. or hurting someone else or the pain um, well, because unknown, you know, I yes. think of, uh, well, what if I, okay, now I'm with you. I do want to make a change, but then what do I have? If yes. I make that change that we've decided I need to make, well, then where am I? Right. And you yes. know what? Maybe I'm worse off. So maybe I won't make the change after all. It's very easy to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, you just you're oh, yeah. used to the routines Ooh. that come with it. Carrie just told us she endured for 15 years. Right. It's a long right. Time. <laughs> <laughs> the human will is amazing yeah. to suffer. You yeah. get used to that, that yeah. managing all these things at once without actually going like, wait, I could, I don't need to endure the uncomfortableness i can just mm -hmm. kind of fight through it and get to the other side and make the change yeah be uncomfortable but at least we'll get the change done in the end well and sometimes i feel like when you're younger you just don't have that wisdom you just don't i mean otherwise i'd be beating myself up real, real bad but i you just don't you don't have it until you experience it and do whatever thing comes right. along but to what you guys are talking about i think also the unknown that's a huge one and I also think it tests, it would have to put the question in someone's head, like, how do you view the world? Do you feel safe in the world? Do you feel like, you know, quote unquote, the universe takes care of you? Like, yeah. do you live by any of these things? Or do you feel like shit's just thrown out into the wind and you're completely out of control? And ah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think people don't think about that, too. Like, well, how, you know, if you felt safe in the world somehow, mm -hmm. um, could you make that decision? Like right. if your beliefs were things work out things, I do things for a reason, which is a good thing. Yeah. And in order to get to something better and that's the truth. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you don't know that truth or believe in that truth. Yeah. That, that stuck spot you guys are talking about is seems real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think people operate out of fear and people have a lot of fears or, you know, <laughs> or it's hard yes. and, uh, yeah. I just think, I think everything, I'm anxious and and react emotionally to things and have these anxiety reactions, but I also think everything works out in the end. It just does. Oh, you that's have, good. You have to say kind of yes to everything and make <laughs> changes and just do everything because the alternative is you don't do anything. Then you're just right. immobile. You know? Yeah. So I'm just like, well, why not do everything, meet everyone, try everything, and just hope and assume it'll work out in the end. And then you, you kind of ride through your anxiety to the other side. Yeah. Well, how courageous of you. Yeah. Considering what a courageous combo of, you know, you have anxiety, <laughs> yeah. but you'll just go ahead because you have this other thought in your head. I think that's yeah. interesting. I think you have to, I remember like a, a, you have to see the anxiety through, like, it's kind of like the, mm -hmm. 
a person asking those questions is what, well, then what, well, is it true? What yeah. will happen? Yeah. I mean, a lot of anxiety is just a, a physical response. You're panicking whether you know yeah. you should be logically or not. And that has its own yeah. need to be dealt with. But, but in any kind of thing where you're, you're kind of, you know, where it's situationally based or something, you really just, you have to see it through to the other side. And ultimately it's not going to kill you. You're not going to yeah. die. And it'll, it'll end at some point, you know, if you yeah. jump in the middle of a lake without a, a life vest on, you'll, uh-huh. it'll suck, but you'll just lay on your back and swim and, you know, eventually yeah. be over yeah. some way. So you don't really have a choice just only because the alternative is to do nothing. Yes. See, you have all that in your head. That's good things to have in your head to like keep you going. It really is because people who don't have those little bumper car, you know, like bad yeah. things might just get stuck and stay there. I, um, uh, I was thinking sometimes people would ask me like, Oh, how, you know, how did you even get on stage or how did you even do bands or whatever? And I was like, because I have in my head, I am much more afraid of hitting 85 and not having done something like right. I, for me, that will be way harder to deal with than getting on stage. Yeah. I won't be able to cope with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the same. that's how I feel too. And it's kind of what we have in common, I think, was just like this. There's a lot that sucks about this right now or that's scary about uh-huh. it, but to not do it will ultimately make me so much sadder and just feel yeah will give me more anxiety in the end of not yeah. having done it or tried it. Yeah. See, I think that's good. I think that's good. But let me ask you, because we talked about this last time. So what's that? There's always Xanax. So <laughs> that's true. Exactly. Really? I got some of here. No. <laughs> but t- we talked about this last time, too. So but like what's underneath your anxiety? Is it biological? You said you sort of have have had anxiety since you were a kid. Well, you know, honestly, I um, um, perhaps you remember a little drug called MDA. <laughs> I did a lot of MDA and uh, in, you know, kind of high school years ish and had a really bad reaction once kind of just before mm-hmm. I turned 18 uh-huh. and shortly after that started having panic attacks. And I remember oh. doctors and it was just really like, what, 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 you know, how did this, these, Oh, they just came on and okay. they weren't entirely foreign, but they were really scary. Mm-hmm. And doctors were like said that it was really, really common with people who had used a lot of MDA that, um, really? you know, it, it, so it burn out something. Yeah. With your, uh, you know, what do they call it? The, the dopamine or is it yeah, serotonin or blah, blah, serotonin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it is kind of related to that, which, you know, oh. either, which, which, rang a bell because there's something about the anxiety response and the panic response that actually is a lot like MDA, but like the evil flip side. <laughs> yes. Physically that made a lot of sense. And, but, um, so I think it's just something that really came on, um, around when I turned 18 mm-hmm. and it was pretty alarming. I mean, before that I, you know, had ease in terms of like, um, uh, whatever, like public speaking or Mm -hmm. on planes or whatever. But then when, when you have a lot of anxiety and panic and it comes on when you don't know it, you start fearing any situation where it would be bad to start panicking. 
Yes. Kind of trapped in something or. Yes. um, And so it was, it was really wild. It really affected, you know, I was in kind of a public type job. Um, Yeah. And, uh, um, and it was limiting what I felt comfortable doing. I mean, over the years it, it would get better or worse Mm -hmm. um, depending on various factors, but, Mm -hmm. um, but it's been ultimately, it's been something that's pretty much defined my life. I think. Wow, I am sorry. It's so incredibly terrifying that it uh, is. that it's like it can't it can't not kind of guide your life. And I mean, you know, there is. I mean, you know, I joke about Xanax all the time, but it is kind of a great tool to have mm. in your arsenal just in case. Yeah. And, you know, when you go to the hospital with a panic attack, they give you Xanax yep. basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, you know, it is nice to know that there exists something that can address it, but, um, mm-hmm. and I don't have it chronically anymore, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, good. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's something that it's, I always hate it when people talk about like, oh, I get anxious too. It's like, <laughs> not quite the same. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you out yeah. something that warrants anxiety, that's not quite the same. It's like something that, yeah. To the hospital, but, Let know. me show you what a panic attack. Let me just inject yeah. a little experience. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't get, I didn't get panic until 2004. And mm. again, I think it was like the summit of a bunch of things that happened. I, I was like, I felt like I was on a slow erosion mm-hmm. and that I made some choices that were stressful. I think I, I had a breakup. I poured a lot of wine on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was, um, also older too. And so I was just, I was wearing myself out and in pain, depressed and, and, you know, there's like stressed out at work is a particular stress too, because you feel like when you're in a state of somebody's watching, you better do a good job. Mm -hmm. It's hardcore. Maybe people are even mean and that's the state you're in. And I remember having my first real panic attack. I was driving to work and I was at the light uh, at Denny where the elephant car wash was. Mm-hmm. And I remember just going <gasps> like, 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 and yeah. I slowly dro- drove to like work and parked, literally walked into work, like in tears, grabbed the gal who was there and she had to walk me to the, it's, it was effing yeah. awful. Yeah. And then it was chronic. It was chronic. Like I couldn't, I when I wasn't out of the stress. I certainly didn't remediate yeah. any of my situation. And you know, just quit a job. So you have job stress. Yeah. You can't just walk away from it. So yeah. And it would be yeah. chronic. Like you'd be out in a sunny day. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong. And I can't, yeah. I can't keep. Yeah. Panic at bay. Yeah. I know it so I'm well. I'm sorry. I'm bringing it all back. <laughs> no, it really is like a feedback loop. That's the thing. It's like, as, yeah, as that's you the thing. It, it just keeps going and going. Right. The more you recognize it, the more it happens. So you can't, it's like, you can't really talk yourself out of it because the more you acknowledge it, the more you get that snowball yeah. effect. So it's yeah. wild. I finally, um, hallelujah, I finally took, got on citalopram, citalopram. Yeah. Um, and that, Vanessa, I think. Yeah, godsend. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on a little, a real tiny dose, but boy, it sure works, of Lexapro, yeah. which is okay. Yeah. escitalopram or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the other one. It's so funny. Okay, talking about like times where you feel depressed in medication too. Like, 
uh, like I took that and then ended that. And then when my mom passed away and some other things were happening, I think I just was worn out again. <laughs> so, but not all things work the same with everybody. Mm-hmm. So I remember my doctor giving me Lexapro and I like, I couldn't, I literally, all I could do was drag a chair out to the backyard and sit in it. I felt like yeah. I was just a zombie, yeah. um, but other people love it. And, and when that was happening, I was, I went online and was just sort of looking at like people and what they take or whatever. And there are so many conversations out there about people saying, oh, it took me years to find the right combination. And here I was sitting there feeling, you know, you're out of, this isn't really correct to say, but like uh, chemically out of your mind or just something's wrong, right? right? You know, it's chemical. And I was like, people spent years like this? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find the right combo. And I was like, oh. God, no. Like, yeah, I don't have time. a bad doctor who's yeah. not willing to try oh, experiment yeah. different stuff, then you're even more frustrated. And they, you know, they take a while before they take effect. Yep. They get worse before it gets better. And they all, the same thing will affect two people totally different. I was in the um, experimental um, group for, or, you know, w- when it was still being considered as an experimental drug for Prozac. In oh, really? 86. Yeah. What? And all those were, all those were so weird. Like Prozac was fine. <laughs> I liked it fine. I, I was never depressed. I took them for anxiety and they just found that antidepressants work for panic and anxiety. Right. So mm-hmm. it was just like, I don't know, try this, try that. Zoloft <laughs> was just considered a really benign one. I remember that made me crazier than I've ever felt in my life. That was wild. Yes. I've taken that too. When I, when I was having massive panic, the first thing they gave me was Zoloft. I came yeah. back the next day and I was like, hell no. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't even. To last yeah. through it. Yeah. Or it gets better. It's like, I don't want it that two weeks of like <laughs> hell. So, you know. Yeah. Great. And it's a lot of hell. It's not like, yeah. oh, I'm, you know, because like current, like I take Wellbutrin right now, like, mm-hmm. you know, just having, and sure, ramping up on it, there was some side effects of like, okay. You're back. Like, could you hear me? Yeah. So we're talking about Wellbutrin and just ramping up on Wellbutrin. Like, mm-hmm. for some reason, I could handle those little side effects. Although, like, <laughs> if I thought about it too long, I was like, you're chemically altering your brain right now. I, know, it was like, like, uh, I can't think about it. They <laughs> think about that too because it's like, I don't know. It just, it's funny because, um, you know, I did a lot of drugs when I was younger. And then since I started getting anxiety, I stopped everything. I stopped. I okay. literally haven't smoked pot. I haven't done anything since I was like, you know, 17 turning 18. Uh-huh. And, um, and it's because when you kind of, when your mind kind of, uh, what do you call it? You know, rejects you, you know, <laughs> or, 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 the idea of like mind altering. Like, oh, yeah. No, thanks. Oh, no, right. it's for me. Now, yeah, I, alcohol, I I find is it works works. I mean, it's you know it doesn't present a problem for me, and it yeah presents it brings me nothing but joy. But <laughs> brings me nothing but joy. So, do you feel like as you get older, though, it doesn't bring on any um, anxiety? Like, too? Oh, I don't know how much you. Oh yeah, either. I don't like I don't I don't like getting like drunk, drunk or yeah. hung over. Mm-hmm. If I drink too much to where I would feel hung over, it it. You get the the anxious, the anxiety yeah. comes with the hangover. So, I try to avoid um, yeah. kind of drunkenness and hangovers as as much Ooh. as possible. Because yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's not good, you know. And that's yeah. when I was younger, it I would quit drinking because I 
drank heavily, so it wasn't good for anxiety. Now, if I have, you know, two, three glasses of wine with dinner, that doesn't create any problem the next day. Right. Not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And as you get older, you really got to watch it. You know what I mean? Like you just, oh my God. Yeah. No, I mean, a hangover now is, is a killer. So, you know, I, I, I would never drinking to excess is the worst Mm -hmm. possible thing for anxiety, but it, but I drinking responsibly, I don't, isn't altering, you know, so it doesn't. uh, Yeah. I got, I think when, like another point for me, like when I, let's see, when I got married, like uh, Marty and I got married quick and had Orion and boom, boom, boom. And then we moved to Minneapolis. And I think I wasn't, nobody's really ready for that or what that's going to bring on, especially mm. being a parent and the complete lack of your own <laughs> control when the sleep deprivation or whatever. And I think I mistakenly started to also, my life had altered so much. And I didn't know quite how to handle that. Like I was getting older. I was more responsible now. So summertime fun or what I was used to wasn't there, but you still kind of crave it. Yeah. And so like the quickest way to that is like some wine, prosciutto and cheese. Yeah. Um, but then it becomes, a, it became kind of a, it became a coping mechanism for me, yeah. but then you're just chasing the hangover. Ugh. Yeah. It was bad. I mean, we all know. Yeah. And then it was, it was bad and it becomes a thing. And I remember saying to a friend, like, I never sought alcohol when I was in bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, count the worst breakup ever. I never went, God, I got to get to a bar. Right. Never. Like, I just didn't think that way. It wasn't until I was challenged in other ways that I really was at a loss or in pain or, you know, older, you've got so much mileage on you that it, it's just a bigger load. And it's, it's, it's easy. I mean, there's something about, you know, the oh, God. Five o'clock wine that maybe oops, there goes the bottle, you know, kind of like <laughs> it, it, it's pleasant, it's easy, you're at home, it doesn't it doesn't take any effort. You know, you probably yeah. even, you know, you, you still weren't even when you were uh, finding alcohol was a good coping mechanism, you still weren't like rushing to a bar to pound Long Island iced teas. It's no. Just, you know, a nice thing to know that you had it as an option at home mm, but can speed up. I will say though, part of the routine that I loved was we were in Minneapolis and you, when you go to buy anything alcohol, it's a whole separate store mm-hmm. and it would, there was romance to me in that. And I didn't, yeah. I don't drink beer. I, just, I can't drink beer. I don't drink hard alcohol. So Going to a huge room that also had like a deli attached to it and picking yeah. another like flower of wine, you know, like yeah. was like a whole thing. And they make it that way. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what shall yeah. Yeah, what shall I try next? And oh, delicious. And, and it is delicious. Like I was telling um, Mike Squires, I was on his podcast and I and I was talking about it. And I and I said, I never. I never did hard drugs. I've never been a pot smoker. It wasn't until then that I like found my evil mistress. I was like, right, right. A, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc or any kind of really yeah. good like Sauvignon or Pinot Grigio. You know, it's funny because it's like you know you talk to heroin addicts that really talk about the the experience of of copying drugs is really um, exciting and fulfills something, and the tying off and the 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 ritual yes. of shooting up has a lot of appeal. And so it's it's kind of like that, except going yeah. to the, the cute wine shop with prosciutto and cheese. Yes, like your version of t- 
tying off and getting ready to shoot up. The more socially totally. version. It's still <laughs> yeah, just yeah. as problem. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I mean, I work in wine, you know, I'm the food editor of wine enthusiast and I, I mm-hmm. promote um, drinking wine. You know? so <laughs> it, it is funny because there's, you know, there's a lot of, and finally, 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 there's more conversation about alcoholism in the wine industry and the restaurant. Oh, really? everything else which nobody really talked about before yeah and yeah. Um, and it really to me it's like responsible drinking is so important because then you don't if you're if you have an alcohol problem then you have to quit and then you can't enjoy it like right yeah the thing that sucks about not being able to drink is that you don't get to drink because it right. you know can be such an incredibly interesting beautiful fun delicious you know Yes. Uh, thing, not to mention learning about, you know, travel and history and people and places. And it's yeah. such a great thing that you really don't want to abuse it because then you don't get to enjoy it. See, right? that's a great rationale. You got a boundary on yourself and a good one, like a, a, a thought boundary. Because a lot of times the things like I've either read about uh, the, what where your mind is at when you're in abusing alcohol is, I mean, there is a whole like neurotransmitter thing going on you know the like prefrontal cortex like if you mm-hmm. keep pinging your brain like wine good wine good like you literally like well it's like pavlov you'll kind of yeah. salivate you know like salivate and it's um so you have to it's that's why i think it's really great that you have like a thought in there that's like this is a thing like good food yeah that i really love so i don't want to mess that up yeah and like I, I know a lot of people like can't eat uh a, a meal or at least a dinner without having a glass of wine or something with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I don't really, I sure love doing that, but I'm not, it's not like automatic. I don't like, okay, shoot, I have no wine. Where do I get, I need something yeah. with this. It doesn't yeah. matter. I, I like it if I have something good and it makes sense with where I'm at, but I don't like. Yeah. I mean, like with all things, you well, have to keep it a treat. You have to make it special. You have yeah, to like, yeah. You know, if you have it all the time, it's not special anymore. That's true. Yeah. If you have a special dinner out there and all you can think about is like, where's my wine? Where am I going to get my wine? How much wine am I going to get? You might have a wine problem. (laughs) You might have a wine problem. (laughs) Travel to schools to tell them like, you know, don't like, I would never say don't drink, but I'd say don't abuse drugs and alcohol. Yeah. then you don't get to enjoy them and they're awesome. You know, right. like, exactly. So I would let me go tell children that, you know, you don't want to be an alcoholic because then you don't get to drink every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of messed up. Didn't let me do that. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's funny. It's funny to see. Well, you know, we obviously saw, you know, firsthand seeing people mm-hmm. drug and alcohol abuse kind of how people enter into it and mm-hmm. if and how they come out of it or don't come out of it. And mm-hmm. I feel like all of that was, um, it was good to witness. I'm glad I have mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge about drug and alcohol abuse, like firsthand knowledge through friends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause it, it, it's something that a lot of people, you know, all the people getting uh, screwed up on Oxycontin and everything that they just don't have knowledge of what drug addiction looks like. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know someone who still keeps the breathalyzer testing in their car to start it years and years and years after wow. stopping drinking. But they were like, oh, wow. like, I don't trust myself. So 
that's going to stay there, you know, and I'm like, wow, impressive that they did it, you know, and they still do it. Yeah, at least they they know themselves. Well, now, like with prescription, it's so sneaky. It's like how that comes into your life. Yeah, is a whole nother thing. Right. Like I think about the people we knew again in our 20s who. I, I feel like one, their issues with it came with them from their lives, right? Like we were kids Mm -hmm. and those kids were doing those things for reasons that were a part of their lives that we probably didn't even know about previously, right? How their upbringings and all kinds of stuff. Um, But then we were with them and around them when they would pass away. Right. And so it's kind of, to me, it's like kind of part of the shock. Like what, what, like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't even know anything about you. Why, why did yeah. And I think people don't, you know, you're you're so all powerful when you're younger. So you never oh, think yeah. that something else is gonna get you. You know, you're yes. always in control of it. So I think when people start doing drugs, they it's fun, they're partying, then it's yeah. coping, which is still okay because it's it's nice to have a coping mechanism because it helps you cope. Mm-hmm. And then they get addicted and nobody it's like and I, I remember thinking, I was like, you guys, like, we've already known people that got addicted. Why did you start? Why did you start shooting heroin when you exactly. know that it, it, everyone <laughs> thinks that they're not the one that's going to get addicted, you know, because they're in control? Yeah. Yeah. I just got done. You may have. I just got done reading. Um, oh, my God. I just wish I had a book right here um, that. Oh, God. See, I'm going to now I'm having a mind mess up right here. Um, with people that we know, anyways, Jen Carr, and she mm-hmm. knows um, Larry Schemmel. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we were on Facebook messaging, and Larry's like, oh, you should meet my friend. She has this book about uh, her drug addiction, mm-hmm. um, heroin in particular. And I literally was like, oh, my God, I have it right here. Like, I was just about to uh-huh. read it, and I just finished it last week. And again, she had um, – issues with heroin and all that but yeah and explains like but again she what i think about everybody too i'm like there were things in her life that led her there right i mean not that they would they wouldn't lead everybody there but a combo of like insecurities or abuse or you know it starts much farther back than i think um oh at 20 i just decided to pick up heroin. you know what i mean like Right, right although i do wonder what you think about like when why would somebody, when they, you're right, been around so much of it, decide to do that? Well, I like, think was this- do it a lot. Nobody starts smoking thinking that they're going to die of lung cancer and, yeah. Be, yeah. and spend 50 years saying they're going to quit smoking and never being able to do it. I yeah. think everybody, you know, thinks that they're going to be the exception. exception. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a slippery slope. For real, it's like, because, you know, you're like, oh, I could try it once, right? And then you're like, oh, that was really great. Curious, I do other things and I haven't gotten mm-hmm. screwed up. So why would I get screwed up on this? I don't, you know, you kind of see it, it happen. And, you know, I think there's a, people want to have experiences that are more and more extreme. You know, you're kind of mm-hmm. chasing more excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that. It's interesting just the, yeah, how young, like just the people like Steph passing away or, you know, obviously Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley and all of that, like, or Andrew Wood or, I mean, plenty of people. Mm -hmm. Um, You're right. At that young age, it was like, so like one day, one day not. Yeah. And I just, I, it would be not that you got used to that, 
Well, and also remember, like with heroin, a lot of people die when they stop for a long time and then start again yes. with the same dose that they were doing before. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually, a lot of times when they die, it's it's in the course of a cycle of trying to stop. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so it's it's they are they're not just on this. People see it as this like continuous down slope. But usually yeah. when they die, they were in some sort of upslope of trying right. to understanding they had a problem and trying to get better. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I lost a family member to heroin addiction. And it's like growing up around that is like kind of what taught me to stay away from it all. I was like, oh, I really don't mm-hmm. want that in my life. But like that was basically what happened with her was like it was on the upslope and like getting treatment right. and all that stuff. And then it kind of fell apart, you know. Yeah. So, yeah it's such a pattern. Yeah. Um, but- Did we think the podcast was going to go here? <laughs> we, we never know where it's going to go. Forward, we can uh, we can move we can move to the light. I'm totally cool. No, but I was just laughing. I was like, I think all three of us later would be like, Jesus, how do we get on that? Yeah, <laughs> a light topic of heroin addiction. Yeah. Apparently, hey, we're from the Northwest. Why did exactly. you think we were not going to talk about it? <laughs> well, I want to hear. Okay, I'm going to go back to. I want to hear what is your job like? Because I will say this. So I had a friend, Kate, who owned a, a wine shop, and she had studied to be a sommelier um, here. And so in her shop, it was like miraculous things I'd never tasted. Yeah. Like literally flowers in a bottle. Like what? Yeah. You know, and how it would like, I mean, really, I should just get to her shop. But it was yeah. really like, how how is it I'm taking a drink of this and I and I taste a little bit of flour here, but then a minute later, what? It, yeah. That, that. yeah, it's true. It's incredible. I mean, you know, I just, you know, kind of in a nutshell, I guess you, you know, you remember the whole time I was in music, I was still into food and cooking and totally food and catering people's weddings and, yeah. you know, whatever. and, uh, and yeah, I just, I, I kept doing that on the side and was doing a lot of food writing and things like that while I was working in music. And then that part kind of grew the food and drink and uh-huh. music. I was, it, you know, done it my whole life. So it was mm-hmm. kind of less uh, into that, I guess. So over time, I just started easing out of my music responsibilities and, uh, pursuing more food and wine opportunities yeah. and uh and so yeah so i do you know various um food and drink and wine related writing and things um and uh i just think wine is really unique in the sense that well like you say it you know the the possibilities of flavor are so oh incredibly vast yeah. i mean it can go you know i mean every Most- kind of fruit and vegetable and herb and spice and flowers and soil and minerals and and you know it's just it's endless the kind of things you can smell and taste in wine sorry what were you- well i was gonna say and i don't think i think most people don't know, have don't know that or haven't really had the chance to taste incredible wine yeah, yeah. because it it's hard to have the chance to do it because it costs <laughs> money you know but, it does yeah yeah and yeah. uh but it also, it's, you know, just culturally, it's so it's, you know, one of the oldest foods in the world. Yeah. You have almost every part of the world, um, well, you know, except the far north and far south um, makes it. 
And uh-huh. so you, as you learn about wine, it's like you're, it's such an intrinsic part of history and agriculture and politics and social issues and everything else that plays into it, that it's just, you know, this kind of never ending, interesting thing to learn yeah. about. And because there's so many grapes and regions and winemaking traditions, it's, it's the best example of the more you know, the less you know. You oh, know? really? Yeah. Um, I mean, the 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 mo- people who have devoted their lives to uh, academic pursuit of wine. There's whole you know grapes they've never heard of. Mm. I mean, it's, wow. it's really like an impossible field to fully, yeah, bet, to, yeah. to really, I mean, quote unquote know. Which yeah. is when you're young, it's frustrating, and when you're older, it's exciting. You know, I think yes. when, when you're young, you think you know everything. <laughs> and you, you're you're frustrated when you don't know something when you're older and you discover things you didn't know it's the best thing ever you know you want yeah discovering things yeah so I, I um so yeah it just, so- it, it's so exciting Even beyond tasting it it's just exciting to have this thing that you're never done with you know yeah i was gonna say that that's a that's great what you just said there like when you get older you're excited to discover something new because yeah, yeah you're you can really appreciate craving and learning something new like yeah. you don't want to go you don't want to reach your 50s and be like oh great now i know everything like that is depressing <laughs> yeah. it's you, like you, now you what david you don't you're you're even if your ego is fully invested in various things in other ways in in that way your ego kind of goes away you're like great you know give me yes. more information yeah. right? like kind of formal wine training with like you know young kids that were you know worked at a wine store or whatever and they're like this is school, you know, I don't like it. I was just like, oh my God, all day. <laughs> talk about wine and then we taste wine and then we talk about it and then taste it. And then it just seemed like the most, what could be better than yes. wine school, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a kid, I was taken to some wineries because I had a friend whose father was a wine importer and like we would go to like wine tastings and they would let us taste them and spit them out in the bucket and stuff. But I remember just being like, ugh, like this is the worst as a kid, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> And now I'm just like, I want my life to be wine school, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Because the learning will never end, you're right. And there are some like just magical tasting wines. Like it's like having your favorite chocolate or not your favorite, but like delicacies. Yeah, yeah. And it again, it's like, you know, every wine is different. Even the the same bottle is Uh year to year. And sometimes it's different bottle to bottle. And uh and again, all the other things that that wine speaks to, you know, and things that are involved and intersect with wine culture, it's just fascinating. Yes. But food in general, but, you know, in food ways. And now there's a lot of talk about a lot of studying of how food plays into um, various aspects of society and politics, mm-hmm. and gender sure. and race issues and everything else. Um yeah. And so wine is food and it's part of that. Yeah. that. So anyways, to me, it's really fascinating. Oh, totally. What, so what would you say today? What are like, what are you fascinated by food way, food wise right now? Like, what do you, what are you like making these days? <laughs> yeah. What are you interested in? Um, 
Oh, no, it's a good I, question. I can't ask you your favorite because you'd be like, don't make me do that. Like, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling you're into something. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think when you get into something, you're like way into it. And yeah. then you're like, okay, I'm done with that. Now I'm going to learn this. Yeah, I am kind of like that. I feel like I haven't, I guess during the pandemic, I was cooking a lot, but because I live alone, I don't get too complicated yeah. in things, you know? Totally. But I like, um, it's, I always like getting kind of deeper into different countries' cuisines. Oh, yeah. Uh, being in Mexico, where I am usually, it's there's mm-hmm. so many regional cuisines that are so different. Uh-huh. And it's uh, I always like, you know, traveling to different regions and kind of seeing yeah. how, how maybe similar dishes are done differently based on the place or just completely different dishes altogether that only exist in one small state of Mexico and not elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But um there's a lot of um, learning about different African cuisines that's been uh, really interesting to me um, because they're so complex and oh. ice mixtures and and a lot of like uh, long cooking and braising and things and um, yeah and it's again something I don't know a lot about so it's really fun to learn more and more about it. Yeah, and, I I always liked watching some of the cooking show like you know real chefs doing things because I don't know about what foods, like what mixtures have a reaction to each other and what does that reaction create, you know, in terms of the ingredients or or how you cook it and what that does to that particular food. Yeah. Um, I find that the kind of the science. Yeah. The chemistry side is super fun because if you learn some of the basics, you can be more creative. You can say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and flavor combinations, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I if you put this, this, and this together and you match it with, like, the, yeah, you know, like amazing flavor combinations. And it's fun to, like, things where there's no rules, you know, things that mm-hmm. flavor combinations you, you would never have imagined in a million years because of your own, you know, limited experiences growing up. Yeah. So something that's very common to somebody else seems really, quote unquote, foreign to you. And so to me, that's really exciting to see what like, wow, you know, I thought I thought what I did was normal and this other thing would be weird. But of right. course not. It's there's, you know, this kind of endless. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tight, you know, endless, it's like my yeah. colleague today shared a, a herring sandwich or pickled herring sandwich from Germany. Uh-huh. And I was like, that mm-hmm. looks horrible. But I was like, probably great. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, do you think like, I mean, eat like a kid gets their palate shaped mm-hmm. by like what your region or where you live. So pickled herring is something somebody grows up like delicious. Whereas if I've never had that in my life, I actually might taste it and go, Oh my God. Right. Because oh. I wasn't raised on. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of people are, are realizing now that, you know, a lot of food media and just food culture is kind of, it's definitely Eurocentric. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, it's kind of U.S. centric and it's definitely English language centric. So, you know, you you think like when people talk about something that's exotic or that's a strong, you know, uh, flavor or something, it's like, well, to someone who grew up with that, it's not strong and they think. Blue cheese is gross, and you know, whatever. Like I don't know, like totally. And it's it's fun to continually remind yourself that our our reference points and our histories are are very, very, very limited. You know, to our experiences and the experiences around us, or just yeah, you know, we're not 
consuming, most people aren't consuming media in other languages. So it's going to be, we're consuming food information and food media from countries that speak English. Right. And yeah, so you're, you're limited by those references. Yeah. And I mean, food is something that is so, it really varies a lot across the world, which is interesting. You know, there's some things that are common among countries, but there's so many things that aren't. And you talk about like, yeah, like, you know, some fermented fish dish versus yeah. macaroni and cheese versus, right. you know, whatever. I don't know. But um, right. there's, you know, an incredible range of flavors. So it's, it's so yeah. what, when we talk about what we know about food or something, it's so limited. Yeah. Well, and think about this too. Think about how people's digestive systems are raised as well. Like if mm. you handed somebody who grew up on like a fish, you know, vegetable based diet or whatever, and you handed them mac and cheese. Yeah. Like think about their system might really just go, Oh my God. And like, <laughs> I mean, there's and, a, for sure. And I think cheese is an interesting one because mm. I'm not sure how great, like, cow dairy is for people i mean i know like yeah. like raw cheese is good because it has so many um active enzymes mm -hmm. and bacteria that is you know good to consume generally yeah. um but but you know i don't i think somebody who has never had you know mammal dairy yeah and then 40 years into their life you give them a diet that's based around milk and cheese that's got to be weird yeah well it's funny like off and on i'd say like every 7 years i would head to a naturopath uh for like cuz something would be wrong one one time it was like i think i literally just too much coffee and i actually was kind of yellow i don't know um and my cuz my digestive system wasn't working or wasn't doing what was supposed to do. Um, and then I had gone back. Every time I've gone back, well, you know, when you go to a naturopath, often they'll take like an allergy test, you know, about what your particular body reacts to is, you know, right. um, they can take it with blood or pinprick or whatever. Um, but I had always been told through a naturopath, like cow dairy, our bodies were not meant to, to eat cow dairy, especially yeah. what you're saying, like pasteurized, right? Like However, yeah, yeah. the U.S. treats it like our bodies aren't meant to eat that. And so, I mean, dairy allergies are there's a high percentile of that. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, milk is, you know, humans produce it. And so mm -hmm. it makes sense mm -hmm. that we would eat human milk. But mm -hmm. if other animals milk is exists in order for them to nurture those animals, why mm -hmm. would we? Why should yeah. we? Well, There's an untapped human milk marketplace here, apparently. Easy to boss, but you know, I remember at the remember the co-op where Java Joe worked, like uh, on Twelfth and uh, yes, Twelfth and you know how a block from how we <laughs> lived, and there was the PCC co-op. I remember in the newsletter there was a great. Uh, somebody's like, "Do you serve uh, human cheese?" You know, I know there's a company. Why don't you stock human milk cheese? It's really nutritious, <laughs> and I know there's companies that make it, and I wish you would stock it. And then somebody wrote, like, that can't be real. Why did you print that joke letter? Of course, that's cannibalism and whatever. And then people wrote, oh, oh my. human milk cheese is a very nutritious thing, and I would definitely buy it if they stocked it. And it ended up being this, like, year-long letter thing going back and forth about whether the PCC should, should stock human <laughs> milk cheese. Like, uh, uh, but you know what? Okay, because you lived by there. Yeah. You had the apartment by there. Okay, see, this is one of the things about you that I love that I find 
that I, I think I've always thought about you too, because it's you, you pay attention. You seem, I don't know what it, maybe I haven't even nailed what it is. Um, you are in and of the day, I feel like. Like you will pay attention to what's yeah. happening at yeah. the market on the corner or the story and then follow it. And then yeah. but that, to me, that's that's somebody who's very, pre- I would, I envied that is what I'm saying. I'm very restless. And so I was like, he's in his community. Like he knows what's going on. He's enjoying it. He's talking about it. Like I can't even sit still. Uh, like, fascinating. I, think I love that. They're like, you know, I don't know what I, you know, I don't want to retire because what would I do? And I don't, you know, people that don't know what they're going to do. It's like, oh my God, I, you know, like <laughs> I didn't have to do things and I could just pursue whatever interested me. My yes. God, like, there's, yes. there's no end to it. Right. Yes. Right. I love that about you. I do. I really love that about you because right. You're rich forever. I mean, sure. there's always something yeah. new. Yeah. There's always a <laughs> human breast milk cheese conflict. of <laughs> I mean, and I think, yeah, yeah. And I also think you know how to, you know, you can find a venture at your corner yeah. market. Oh hell yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I guess I want to like, I just want to like, I want to talk to everybody and find out everything going on and get involved with everything and you know just. Yeah. I, I love that. That's great, right? I think that's. Sure. I think that's great because there is a lot of adventure and story out there to be told. How did you now, how did you end up having a place in Mexico? How did you choose that? I just, I don't, you know, since I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Mexico and nobody knows why. Like I was, (laughs) I only wanted Mexican food. I only wanted to hear Mexican music. I was just obsessed with it. Not, you know, I grew up on Capitol Hill, like didn't, wasn't really based in anything, but that sounds like a past life to me, Nils. I mean, it really is. Uh, something like that. Like, my mom says, like, when I was, you know, really, really young, I, you know, wanted to, if there was some, you know, Mexican-flavored dish, I would just shovel it in my mouth. I wasn't affected by spice. Wow. I'd, if Mexican music came on, I would stop crying and be happy. And so, I don't wow. know. But um, anyways, I just decided to start going there to see if, you know, there was any reality to it, if I actually liked the country instead of just, you know... <laughs> perceptions of it in the U.S. And uh, so started going in the 90s. The more I went, the more I liked it. And starting about 2001, 2002 was like, okay, I was making friends in Mexico City, going a lot, and was just like, I'm just going to, I'm going to learn the language. I'm going to go there all the time. I'm going to really get to know it. Instead of like going to like different places all the time, just going to, I'm really going to get into that city and see what I really and it was just the more I went, the more I liked it. I developed groups of friends there. And mm-hmm. eventually, I always kind of like maybe had deals with friends where I would stay in a room in their apartment so that I didn't have to, so that I could go a lot mm-hmm. without spending a lot of hotels. Uh-huh. I bought a place about six years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just was great decision. I just love it. Yeah. What yeah. do you love? What is it? Because only someone who's lived there in real, like, like you said, spent consistent time, made friends, can mm-hmm. knows the subtle things you like about that cu- culture, right? Yeah. Like, because you're there, you've been in it. What are the things that you like? Well, people always say, like, they're like, oh, you like Mexican guys? It's like, well, <laughs> yes, you know. You know, and, the, and it's like, oh, the food is great. It's like, yeah, of course, the you know, food is great. And the whole food culture is something that I've spent a lot of time you know, traveling and, and learning about and stuff. But, uh, but no, it's, I mean, it's corny to say, but it's the people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Amazing, amazing. And just really, it's a good combination of like a very, um, um, you know, kind of family oriented, which includes friend oriented, um, loving, thoughtful, you know, culture that's also kind of live and let live. Oh, there isn't, there's a lot of connection without a lot of, um, expectation or obligation Mm -hmm. Um, you know it's a really religious culture but without the bad like with a lot of the better things of religion a lot of the worst things about it (laughs) Um, i find it really kind of kind of funnily accepting like gay marriage was legal in mexico city in the 90s oh wow and it's like the most religious place ever but yeah uh, that's cool so it it's funny it's just so I don't know. I just think the people are are really cool. They're really like, they're really um, they're really curious. They're always doing something. They always have a project. They always have a million different things going on. And something I really like about Mexico City, which you can relate to, is everybody all the different creative fields are Mm -hmm. they know each other and they're interested in each other and they all interact. So like, you know, the art people know the food people who know the music people who know the film people who know the fashion people. And so it, there's this kind of intermingling of different creative fields where I found in in Seattle and New York, Mm -hmm. the music people hung out with music people and the, Mm -hmm. You know, movie people hung out with movie people. You know, there wasn't yeah. a lot of interaction yeah. with mm-hmm. that. Whereas in, in in Mexico, you find all these people have different projects and nobody is, a lot of people weren't just, you know, somebody might have a gallery and a food-oriented yeah. company and were investors in a movie theater and were, um, and they just knew each other and interacted. I mean, a lot of that is based on money and class and privilege. You know, the people who are able to have a creative life in Mexico have the means and privilege to do it. Okay. Um, and it's a smaller part of the population and maybe, you know, it's reasons that they know each other, but I just liked that, um, you know, coming out of a, a music scene where it was all about music and yeah. every music people, all their friends are music. Everyone's everything is a million. Yeah. And there it was people were involved in a lot of different or interacting with a lot of different creative fields. See, I love that. I love that because I did feel, I felt, I did feel that in Seattle, but because I'm just, I'm constantly curious, like just sitting in one scene was, it's, you know, boring after a while because one, Seattle also was small. It's sort of like, okay, you know, Um, but I, and, and you want to keep learning about like, oh, what what did the theater crowd do here? You know what I mean? Or yeah, the filmmakers. And I kind of knew a smattering of people through other friends, like my friends who weren't in music, you know, like Ali was, you know, was an acting, right? Like Samara was, you know, new film people. So did Ali, right? So you just end up kind of, we knew Charles Mudede when he first moved there. So he was writing and, um, and I just always was like, it made everything way more interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot a bigger picture yeah. than just being in a band. I prefer that. So I love that. I love that. Better, better art. When yes. Have broader references and experience mm-hmm. more things. And yeah. And yeah, more diversity well, and, is always better. It's like the more oh, you experience, the more you can, you know, produce stuff that's based on those experiences. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Do you, I bet you, 
you get this deeper sense about the people too, because you speak the language. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother level. You get to know. Yeah. Yeah. When you know how somebody talks. Yeah. And it also really, yeah, for sure. And that's just changed the, the, the ease that I can kind of roam around the country with, you know, like I can kind of hop on a bus and go somewhere and not fret about like how I'm going to, get around or communicate or where I'm going to stay or whatever I can just, and especially with food, you know, I can, you know, especially in, you know, Mexico city and people in the arts and, you know, people who have wealth, you know, have Mm -hmm. maybe better education and they might speak English and other languages. But, um, but, you know, if I'm talking to a farmer in the field and who's growing chilies, I'm curious about, yeah, what, what they are, what they're called, how they're used, what, you know, like I really try to get into these conversations with people at markets and, and when I'm traveling around and they don't speak English. So I, you know, I'm trying to get these very involved conversations about ingredients. Um, and it really helps, you know, it just helps to, because again, it's kind of interested in stuff. So it was, I spent a year. So before like being in bands, I spent a year in France cause I I, like, Mm kind of like you and, and Mexico, like I was, always had a fascination with France. I don't know why. Um, and like out of high school, I got to go for a month. And then I was determined I wanted to speak and I, and I knew I was a terrible student. So I was like, I just need to get a job (laughs) and everybody needs to leave. And I just need to, you know, get through it. Um, and when that was done, like, I really had a, a, like a different picture of like, how people express themselves, what their humor's like, yeah. what do they sound like, well, how do they use their words when they're getting mad? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just paints another layered picture of, I mean, again, I was in one place, you know what I mean? It's a whole country. So it's not like I uh, knew everybody, but I knew more than your average Joe about like, again, how some of the French express themselves. Like, and, and yeah. I noticed the difference, you know, like French or our French is way more animated. And when you're getting mad, it's more dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, and I mean, of course you didn't, but you know, it's like if you had that experience with, with no French versus a lot of French, even you're just in a one place for a limited amount of time, but you're having a yeah. much different experience than you would the other way. And I find it's fun for me just to be on like, you know, the WhatsApp group for our condo or the, you know, uh-huh. just, kind of daily business that I do just yeah thing an email and whatever and you see you learn a lot about the culture that way you know totally totally you're trying to evict a tenant or you know whatever like (laughs) oh yeah and like how is that handled like what is the pace of things getting done there you know what I mean like and what's the philosophy behind that (laughs) it's a really formal culture which I really like wow because it's very What do you mean? We like just there's a lot of like, you know, just kind of greetings or how people um, just relate to each other. Like you would never like, you know, pass a neighbor and not say hi and have a a conversation. And and everything is very like, you know, I don't know. You just stop to get a juice or something. And you're like, you know, oh, you know, how is your day? Oh, of course. (laughs) Beautiful, you know. I, there's just a lot of like niceties. Oh, so, so the opposite of the Scandinavian Seattle culture. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And um, and also again, like with dealing with like business affairs or or 
intra, you know, like the fights among, you know, the, all the condo owners on a thread or something is so funny because it's like, you know, Oh, what a, you know, I could not respect your viewpoint more. What a beautiful way to look at it. And I hope your family has been good and everything. And we are going to sue you tomorrow. And Steve's like really ornate ways of like getting to something like, you know, Yes, because it's like the French French are very, you know, like I cannot believe like when you're mad, like I cannot believe you've said what you've said. Do you you know, like, do you see like what you've done or whatever? Like, oh, woof. you know, like such a like dramatic, like put. it's like they're extremely put upon. Yeah. You know Somebody, what I mean? Like, oh, you know, that show Call the Agent. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. A friend was, it's a friend, they say it's kind of like the French entourage, like it's Uh uh, just for Ryan, like a, Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a a talent agency that represents actors. And so each episode will have real French actors playing themselves, but in a fictional uh, thing. And a French friend was saying that like, it's great that everyone likes it and watches it and thinks it's funny, but you have no idea how funny it is because there's so many little just tone things that you can't get in subtitles, yes, you know, yes. and cultural things that they're poking fun at that you would never get if you don't know yes. these microscopic cultural references. Yes, exactly. Um, I, the, another thing I noticed too is like some of the joking would be like, oh, what's funny is to mix your words up. Oh, you know, no, or say not, things backwards. And it's all like, well, all right. He <laughs> yeah. called me by a different name. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I just remember then, and this is a long time ago, but I'm like, sarcasm isn't in there. Like I would, <laughs> I would mess people up all the time with s- sarcasm I was used to, like just sort of like, mm-hmm, yeah. And they're like, yes. how do you even function without sarcasm that was sarcasm you know like well theirs is just dramatic well you know eye rolling or just not not all the time but just sort of like it's it's like you're put being put out like oh won't you you know (laughs) (laughs) but also i've never lived in it's different wherever you are like living in paris and it's like it feels for me to say how you know how i get what you're saying though are or aren't yeah. you know like who am i to make yeah. those statements but anyways it, it just it's it's been really rewarding and it's it's something that uh the the more time i spend there the more i like it which is a pretty yeah. good uh good yeah. quality for a place yeah do you feel at home like i i guess at a younger age when i did that i actually came home and started studying spanish mm-hmm. but at a young age uh, it was too. I couldn't go live in another country that wasn't my home. I, th- I think it was hard for me. I but. do. Yeah, it does. It. I. You know. I think about like, well, what if I was there full time? You know, I usually go for a few yeah. months and leave. But for the pandemic, I was there for ten months, and it felt great. You know, that's and good. Fact, then when I just went back there after leaving for about two months or so, and then went back, I was like, oh, when I got back into my apartment, it felt like home. You know, it felt. Oh, like nice. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it does, which is odd. I mean, there's, there's things that are, 
I think being there permanently long term might grate on me. But there's things if I lived in Seattle again, that would, <laughs> yeah, so oh, yeah. anywhere you live for a long time. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, but so many things in Seattle now would grate on well, you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so weird to be here. It's also there's so many funny things that like like it's the the gray thing, which I love the weather, but it's yeah. dark, and so I'm like, yeah. is it getting dark early? But it's just. <laughs> Cloudy, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean the days yeah. are getting longer again, but still the quality of the light, kind of. I'm just not used to it. Yeah. I I went outside the other day and there was there was dew, you know, like morning dew on yeah. a, a the deck railing, and I was like, oh, it's raining. You know, like, <laughs> like how did it get wet? I didn't see the rain. Like, how did it get wet? <laughs> are you so when you're there? So. You you came back. Did you came back just to get um, your shot? To did you, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I totally get that. I was like, when are you coming back? I want to see you. <laughs> You're in Tacoma, right? I'm in Tacoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I can drive. Yesterday, I went with a friend to. He's a wine distributor, and I just went. I was like, well, I'll tag along. We can like. He had just been tested, and I, you know, we're just going around to like you know, do some tastings and drop stuff off for people. And he was going to like, we went to, we met like around Gasworks and we went to like Burien and then to Mercer Island and then to North Seattle. I was like, oh my God, these are things that would have taken me months to do when I was younger. Yes. You're you're doing an errand on Mercer Island? Like, oh my God. Who goes there? Yes. Now I'm like, like, hell, Tacoma, it's only, you know, what, 30 minutes? Like, I'm serious. I remember when I moved to West Seattle, people were like, oh, my God, it's so far away. We'll never see you again. We'll never see you again. That or Ballard. Or, yeah, no one would consider, like, North Seattle or Everett. Or You're right. Isn't that funny? That is so true that, like. like, As a kid, I I don't, you know, maybe when we drove to California, we passed through Tacoma. But I don't think I ever went to Tacoma. Right. Until Girl Trouble and shows and things like that. Sure. But, um. But now I'm like, well, why not? You can just get an Uber and go to Tacoma. Like, why not do that? Exactly. Well, I had a girlfriend who lived, her dad lived in Burien when we were in college. And I remember like, where are we? Oh, yeah. (laughs) My aunt always lived in Burien. It was like, we saw her at holidays, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Burien was just not possible otherwise. Why is that? Is it one? I know there was less traffic back then too. So and there was less traffic. Yeah. yeah. But it was also, you know, it's such a like walking city. Like you didn't really go, you didn't go very far, I guess. Mm-hmm. But no, that's I think you're right. I think that's a part of it. I mean, there was room. You could walk. What you needed was close by. Why would you go yeah. why would you go that far? Yeah, you wouldn't you, you you weren't looking for an excuse to get in your car for a long time. No, that's true. And now I think people are just living in their cars, so they don't think it's easier for them to bop around like yeah. that. I think it's true. I think city right. dwellers, though, too. I remember like visiting people in Hoboken, New Jersey, and they had never been to New York City. And I'm like, it's right, right, right there, <laughs> right there. Yeah, I mean that's, that's like, crazy to me. Out. Like, well, why am I gonna? Why would I go to Burien? You know, yeah, I live exactly. I live down. You know, like there's um, nothing good in Burien. Come on, <laughs> yeah. except my aunt. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Yeah. But that's so funny to think about just like now knowing so much more. And you're right now having driven so much more of an area of the whole 
um, yeah, places I wouldn't have gone before either. Well, and the other thing I think we were talking about last time is one, how crowded Seattle is. And I remember saying to you or somebody, I was like, I remember in Seattle when, you know, you'd go out on Friday or Saturday, but nobody was out and about on Sunday. Like maybe you'd go to your breakfast place. Yeah. But otherwise it wasn't even open on Sunday. Like, yes. Downtown was a ghost town. Yeah. And also there's no, you know, that's something I really like about, well, any city except Seattle, but about Mexico city is there's a street life, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's people, you know, the streets are full of people and people are having meals on Sunday afternoon and people are, are sitting in parks, having coffee and talking. And there's this, this kind of urban street life, you know, that yeah. people are walking and shopping and talking and um, they're not, it's not a, I mean, it, it is a car city. Like everyone has a car, but you're not, that's just to get to work or whatever, you know, yeah. you're not, you're, you're not, it's not that thing here where there's like no one on the street because everyone's right. in a car, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and okay. a lot of other cities in the U.S. that are like that, where it's, you know, people live in their cars instead of on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're totally right. Now I totally want to come visit. I'm sure I've asked you that before. Oh. I was like, oh, OK, yeah. now I just had this wild idea and you're going to laugh, Nils, but I think it's a good idea. I was like, I think we need to have you on periodically <laughs> and with the purpose of you have to go on adventures because when you come back, I'll be like, OK, where have you been? Right. We could do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of into that. Like, well, you're going to come back and I yeah. you know, and bring back the information yeah. from wherever you've been. And that's yeah. your job, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do it periodically when I have a good adventure. And now, like, travel's opening up and I'm getting vaccinated. And so I feel like I'll be doing a lot more. Oh, that's yeah, great. That's I would love yeah. Yeah, I would no. love to come on a trip with you sometime. Like, no, it'd be so fun. Some food and wine place. I'm like, okay, where are we going? Well, let's, oh, then yeah. let's go do all of it. And the thing is, like, it's so, like, you'd be so fun because you're curious and game, yes. you know? So, yes. um, yeah. Yeah, there's so many. Well, Completely. you know, I'm in a house in the Yucatan and um, in a town called Valladolid in the Yucatan, kind of. Uh huh equidistant between Cancun and Merida. So you can fly to either airport Ooh. About minutes from either. Okay. And it's the greatest town in the world. And uh, so you'll have to come down there because that'll be kind of like vacation-y because I'll have a pool and stuff. See, that sounds, I want that. That sounds good. Yeah, you got to do that. I want, I'll play music for you. It's very, it's really culturally interesting. It's historically interesting. It's really close to Chichen Itza. And wow. a lot of the cenotes and a lot of the yeah, kind of the exciting stuff yeah. you could plan. So that's an option too. I'm reserving my spot. I will bring meditation and song and cheer. <laughs> I'm just inviting myself. <laughs> you know, I got nothing Ryan's, to bring. Here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we should definitely do the podcast from there. Be oh, like, yeah. yeah, you now know what, suckers? <laughs> <laughs> I got the we'll audio equipment. We'll just be like like zoning out by the pool with a drink. Like, oh, what'd you do today? Whoa, look at that bird. Yeah. <laughs> just talking about things no one can see, so they're just irritated. <laughs> like, 
Oh my God. Well, do you think we talked about all the stuff or enough of the stuff? Well, Remember when we left off? I mean, we could, we could keep going forever, but I think I know. we did a lot of ground. Yeah. yeah we've have, gone up and down. Yeah. I do have the age old question since we have okay. you. Yeah. What's the most authentic Mexican restaurant in Seattle? Oh, well, people will fight over this forever. So. Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, it's funny because growing up here, well, first, I think the word authentic is a little tricky. Like, I don't think oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. And it's nobody, it's no one's job to call anything anyone else does authentic or not. But I, I obviously know what you're asking. The problem is growing up here, I really like kind of Seattle Mexicans are the things that I grew up with. So mm. I'm not looking for when I'm in Seattle, I don't want like Mexican food that is akin to what you get in Mexico because I'm in Mexico all the time. Right, right. So, <laughs> spoiled. Yeah. When I'm here, I, I, I don't go to those places because I want to go to El Farol, formerly Jalisco's. Yeah, um, good stuff. And El Gaito and these places that that are, you know, somebody maybe who had never been to them and would be like, what the fuck is this place about? Yeah, me. It's these flavors that I crave that I can't get in Mexico. Oh, um, but um, I do really, really, really like the Mezcaleria Oaxaca on Pine and Belmont. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I haven't been there in a while. I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. the, they had La Carta de Oaxaca in in Ballard, mm-hmm. and then um, yes, others. And now it he he gave La Carta to the chefs and okay. uh, were from Oaxaca, and. Um, and now he just has the Mezcaleria, but um, the food there is really, really great. And the woman Jeez. is still there is from Oaxaca. Um, oh, that's cool. And they, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I haven't, I know there's a lot, but I just don't, in the years that I've been gone, when I come back, I, I tend not to go to the, the hot mm-hmm. and authentic Mexican restaurants. So, so Do I you remember Mama's? Mamas? Yes. My whole, I mean, I spent my whole I life. <laughs> I know it was a dumb question. Not I was really just like. <laughs> food, exactly? Right, not right. exactly. <laughs> they had food. It was pretty good. Yeah. Always do the, the, it was the screamer enchilada, which was the like sour cream, saucy. Just, but I remember you could get, I think they just called it the syndrome and it was off menu and it was like rice and beans with a salad and tortillas and it was like two dollars but it filled you up and yeah so good yeah and yeah the, they just had strong drinks <laughs> the bracelet i'm wearing um my friend sharon gave it to me in the late 80s and we were at she gave it to me at mama's and it was too small and so we spent like basically pounded like 10 margaritas had a bucket of ice water a stick of butter to try to get it on, but have a can of ice water so it wouldn't swell up, and eventually shoved it on my hand, and it's been on my wrist ever since. For no for, way, show yeah, me. Yeah, for thirty-five years or something. Wow. Oh my god, it's that's amazing. We need yeah. a picture of that. And it just—it's—it's it's like my tattoo. It's just there. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, it's been on since eighty-nine, I think, something like that. Okay, you need to take a picture of that because we're gonna put it. Okay. On the- be the yeah, show we will. Yeah. We're uh, gonna show it like art because that's that's been on your body for that long. Um, it, uh, it. Uh, but yeah, Mama's I feel like was the <laughs> source of so many like fun times. Just drinking. Oh my before, god! They're, they're really cheap happy hours and drinking before yes. shows and um, yes, so I used to work there and I mean such a yeah. Yeah, in 
Belltown for folks who maybe aren't here. Belltown just it's, was a hub. Now it's starting to get kind of dismantled. So yeah, that's and a bummer. Belltown was always weird. They're always kind of trying to get people to move there and make it a thing. Yeah. It was always it just never quite worked, but but it sure mama sure got people there. Like <laughs> Oh my know? god. That place was around forever. I think it's closed now, right? I think so, it like yeah. just closed. Just I feel closed. Like it's going around Facebook or something, but like mama's yeah. I know, I know. One more down. That's just yeah, so exactly. sad. Yeah. Well, I'd rather go to your house. So <laughs> yeah, please. I'll talk well, to you. I want yeah. nothing more than to like just cook like little snacks for people all day by my pool. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. This is like a dream come true. <laughs> God. When is the house finished? I'm serious. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. I want that. Okay. Pretty well, you know, you maybe uh, need to send out a postcard, take all of our addresses and like have a house. Oh, yeah, send it out. It sounds very luxurious, but I'm basically just like, Everything I own in the world is going toward this, you know, cheap, modest house. But, sure. you know, it's just I'd rather have, I don't know, yeah. somewhere cool to live instead of a yes. retirement. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I know. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Nils, you know, I love you know how much I love you. Oh, I love you, too. I'd yeah. love to see you while I'm here or just soon in general. Yes. Yeah. How long? Now, are you only here till Sunday? Well, I, I just, you know, I have to. The vaccines are a month apart. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. But I, I kind of need to go back to New York. So I might go to yeah. New York in between those times. So, well, we'll we'll keep in touch. And when you get your second yeah. vaccination, who knows? Maybe I'll I don't know where I'll be on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm really low on the roster. So yeah. um, but too we healthy. will figure it out. I'm too healthy. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, for we'll sure. figure it this out. Is good in the meantime, it feels like seeing you. So I love it. I, I could do this all the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, safe travels. I hope okay. the whole inoculation or whatever goes well. <laughs> no, fabulous. I just know it. I love it. Okay. Well, I'll see you Thanks soon. So all right. Thanks for coming again. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.